scripture reading tonight is uh, John 8, 48 through 59. And then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who, who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead in the prophets. And you say, If anyone keeps my word, you shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom he, of whom you say he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I have known him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he, he saw it and, and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You're not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to, said to them, Most surely I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Good evening. It is good to be together once again. We are thankful for your presence tonight, and we hope that you will be able to study along with us from the Word of God, and we invite you to be taking out your Bibles. We're going to be continuing a study of what we began last week. Uh, I might have gone a little long last week. I don't remember what my time was, but I knew when I was preparing the material that I had a lot more to say. So, you may not appreciate it, but tonight, hopefully you will appreciate that I didn't use all of this last week in one sermon. And so uh, this evening, we're going to continue a, a study on the covenant that God made with Abraham. Because I believe that as you can probably think as you read the Bible, there are a lot of moments where you can lose sight of the main story, if you will. And yet we believe that the Bible really from beginning to end is trying to communicate one central idea, that it is revealing God's plan for humanity and how God has chosen to redeem humanity and save us from our sins. The Bible is a story that leads us to Jesus, but it's easy to get lost in that story. There's lots of twists and turns and changes that happen that we may not be able to, to focus on the main storyline sometimes. The, compl the complications that get uh, brought into the story can leave us our heads spinning. However, I believe the Bible is this unified story that we can see play out through an important Idea, And I think this helps us understand it whenever we understand how God establishes 
covenants with His people. And we can understand some of the important covenants that God has established. I think it helps simplify the story. It gives us some plot points where we can then see how these things start connecting. And so we looked at last week how God makes and establishes covenants. That this is who God is. In the New American Standard Bible, the word covenant is found 321 times. And it's first found in the book of Genesis, and it's used several times in the book of Genesis. And we looked at several different covenants that God has made, and many of them come in that first book of the Bible, which I think communicates something to us about who God is. That God, as He is revealing Himself to us, He establishes covenants. And a covenant is simply a, an agreement. It's an alliance. It's a pledge that usually involves two parties, that two parties have obligations that they are both committing themselves to keeping. And one dictionary defined in its definition of covenant, it said that the reason or motivation for forming a covenant is to establish a friendship. I find that very interesting, especially in regards to the covenant that God made with Abraham. In the book of James, in James chapter 2, in James chapter 2 and in verse 23, it says, And the scripture was fulfilled which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. What an amazing compliment that must be to be called God's friend. But I find that to be very interesting in that God was establishing a covenant with Abraham in order to establish a friendship or a relationship with Abraham. And that is the purpose of which God establishes His covenants. And so I find that to be very interesting. And whenever we talk about the promises that God made to Abraham, we're talking about the promises of the covenant. In the book of Genesis, I'm sure we could probably ask many of our young kids here, and they could probably tell us the promises that God established with Abraham, and that is giving him the promised land and making of him a great nation. And then that through Abraham, all families of the earth might be blessed. We read about this in Genesis chapter 12 when God first gave and established these promises with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. You see that God is making these promises to Abram and that He is willing to establish and make a covenant with him giving him these promises. And he much of the rest of Abraham's life, you see his interaction and how he trusted in God to fulfill those promises. Which brings us to a very critical point. As we looked at last week, and we're going to continue to look at this evening, that this covenant that God established, it was about 
bringing something to all of humanity. It wasn't just about Abraham. That he had a grand scheme and a plan to save the world, to bring salvation to everybody. And that through Abraham, all families of the earth might be blessed. All nations would be blessed. And that covenant has been fulfilled. And we, even today, some 2,000 years after Christ, and about you know, 3,500 years or 4,000 years after the time of Abraham, we are able to still benefit from the covenant promises that God made. And we will see this evening how we can participate in this covenant that God established. We see that this covenant was a covenant that was known by faith. Abraham was recognized as a hero of faith. That he was faithful and obedient from this moment in Genesis chapter 12 when God called him. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 8, the Hebrew writer says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. And so you see that there are a couple of things that characterize Abraham from the outset here. That is his faith and his obedience. That his, through his faithful obedience, you see that this is what became the condition by which God was going to fulfill the covenant. In Genesis chapter 15, we are told that Abraham believed God. Even whenever the, some of the promises seemed to be uh, neat, a lot further from becoming a reality, like having a child that was going to establish his lineage that would form a great nation, even in the midst of that challenge of his faith, Abraham trusted in God. The record says in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 15 and in verse 6, then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. That God saw Abraham's faith, how he trusted and believed in God, and how he was then going to say, I'm satisfied and I'm going to account you as righteous. That is the principle that you see that this characterized Abraham and his life from the beginning to the end, that he was going to be a faithful, obedient servant of God who put his confidence and his trust in the Lord. Now that doesn't mean he was perfect all the time. But he certainly was going to be characterized and noted for his obedience. And that's what the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians and the book of Romans, they draw on his faith and his obedience and they quote this passage here. James quotes this passage in James chapter 2 and talking about Abraham and his faith and his obedience. And so this is what characterizes the covenant and the response to God's promises. Whenever we see God's promises, when God makes a covenant, we see how Abraham responds. And this gives us a great 
deal of information of how we ought to be responding to the covenant as well. We'll talk some more about that this evening. But what I want us to just see from the get-go is that Abraham responded to God and these covenant promises by faith. And if we're going to be the benefit beneficiaries of the same promises in the covenant, then we are going to have to act by faith as well. And you see in Genesis chapter 17, whenever God really begins to dive into the ideas behind this covenant, and He gives Abraham the sign of the covenant of circumcision. In Genesis chapter 17 and in verse 9, God said further to Abraham, now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. I want you to just notice in the language that God says, you are to keep this. God tells Abraham, this is something that you are going to be required to keep. The conditions of this covenant, are you are expected to keep them and continue to keep them as well as your descendants. And so God gives him and establishes with Abraham and his household, his family, and all the people that were in it, circumcision and the sign of the covenant. And in verse 23, we see that Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and all the servants who were in, born in his house and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's household, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the very same day as God had said to him. You see that Abraham was again obedient to the conditions of the covenant, the sign that God had given to him. Abraham kept the requirement and the conditions of that covenant. He believed in the Lord and he trusted in Him. And so he was considered to be faithful. And because of Abraham's faith, we again see that he was declared to, or that God declared that the covenant would be perpetuated through Abraham. Because of Abraham's obedience in the book of Genesis chapter 22, when God had called Abraham to take Isaac, his son, the son whom he loved, his, the son of the covenant promise, to take him and offer him as a burnt offering, and Abraham was willing to do that, God stopped him and prevented him from doing such. But in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 18, it says, And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now what I want us to just see is how Abraham's life has been characterized in all these different instances at these different moments from Genesis chapter 12, when God first called him to Genesis chapter 22, whenever God is asking Abraham to do the greatest thing, the most challenging thing that he could ever do in offering his son as a burnt offering, Abraham responded with faith. Now that brings us to the New Testament. In the Gospel of John, in John chapter 8, if you will turn there, in the passage that we had as our reading, I could have made Dennis read a lot more tonight, but I cut it down to just 11 verses or so. Uh, but in John chapter 8, Jesus is having a very lengthy discussion with the Jews. And he tells them, tells them some 
very difficult things that they just did not like, that they would not enjoy hearing. And he tells them in verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. And so Jesus is saying, I know you are biologically, ethnically Jewish. That you have Abraham's blood coursing through your veins. Jesus says, I understand that. And they answered him in verse 39, it says, in, in verse 39, that they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. That you need to be doing what Abraham says. Because Abraham understood something about Jesus. And that's what Abraham, or Jesus tries to convey to them. That if you are truly Abraham's descendants, then you're going to do the deeds of Abraham. As we've seen in the book of Genesis, that is act by faith. Trust in God. Trust in God's promises. By the end of this discussion, in verse 56, Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. And then they start saying, Well, wait, you're not even yet 50 years old. How did Abraham see your day? And how did you know Abraham? And Jesus makes a clear uh, affirmation of his deity. And when she says in verse 58, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And they were ready to pick up stones and kill him because of that. But what I want us to see is that Abraham believed that Jesus, that God was going to fulfill His promises by sending one who is going to bless all nations, that seed of Abraham. And that is why Abraham trusted in God's power and His ability and His faithfulness throughout his life. That he was going to fulfill the promises. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews the 11th chapter, and in verse 13, you see what the Hebrew writer says as he's talking about these people of faith such as Abraham and Sarah. He says in verse 13, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. What the Hebrew writer is trying to get us to see is that Abraham and Sarah and everyone in the Old Testament who lived and acted by faith, that they never fully received the, the completed promises. But they could see far down the stream of time. And they trusted in God and His promises and His Word and that God was going to fulfill and do what God was saying. They trusted in that. They trusted in God's power and His faithfulness to do as He promised. And so, in John chapter 8, whenever Jesus is having this discussion with the Jews about 
Abraham and doing the deeds of Abraham, that is live by faith. Live by faith just as Abraham did. Trust in what God was going to accomplish through you. Because the covenant that God made with Abraham was intended to bring salvation to all people. In the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 49, in the book of Isaiah in chapter 49, and in verse 6, Isaiah says, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. That this covenant that God was establishing with Abraham, it was going to be the way in which he was seeking to make and bring salvation to all people. And that is why Jesus encouraged people to do the things that Abraham did. To live by faith. In which Jesus said in John 8 and verse 39 that if you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. Now what I want you to recognize here is that this is creating a huge paradigm shift. This is creating a huge paradigm shift. That it's not about being ethnically Jewish. And having the blood of Abraham coursing through your veins that is going to make you a child of Abraham. Or a child of God. Now Jesus doesn't extrapolate all of that idea. We, we get that through reading many of the Apostle Paul's letters. But what he is trying to get us to see is that those who live by faith and do the deeds of Abraham and live how Abraham lived, that is by faith, they are the ones who are considered Abraham's children. It's about those who demonstrate their faith in God and trust in Jesus as the Savior of the world. Those are the ones who do the deeds of Abraham. And that's why the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 4 and verse 12 says, when he's talking about justification by grace through faith and how Gentiles are saved and how Jews are saved, and he comes back to the point that Abraham, he received the circumcision before the law of Moses, and he was justified before he was circumcised, that he was saved because of faith, and that we need to be walking in the steps of Abraham, he tells us. In verse 12 of Romans chapter 4, and the father of circumcision, to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised, that Abraham, he lived by faith. He lived by faith. And the covenant that God was establishing with Abraham was part of God's scheme of redeeming the world and saving the world by faith. Trusting in God's Messiah who would come. And so if we are going to enjoy the blessings that the Abrahamic covenant provided, 
And we need to live by faith in the same way that Abraham did. This is what Paul is trying to get us to see in the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 3, in the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 3, Paul, he is dealing with the Jew-Gentile problems that were going on in the New Testament church in the first century. And he says in verse 6, Even so Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. Does that sound like Jesus? It certainly does. And what John, what John recorded in John chapter 8. See, Paul understood what Jesus was saying. In verse 8 it says, The Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. And so what Paul is saying that the Scriptures recorded for us, that the Gospel in its essence, in its, in its purpose, that all nations would be blessed, that this was established in that covenant that God made with Abraham. And so he says in verse 9, So then, those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham the believer. Abraham is characterized by faith. The covenant is, is characterized by faith. If you're going to be part of the covenant, then you have to have faith like Abraham did. And so he tells us that everyone can become a participant and a partaker in the family of Abraham. Isn't that interesting? And it's no longer about Jew or Greek, he says in verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. And so what we begin to see is that as we that we are able to join the family of Abraham through faith. Now, that doesn't mean that we are going to become ethnically Jewish or that we have Abraham's blood in, in us, but that this means that we live and we are characterized by the same things that Abraham lived and was characterized by. Namely, faith and trust in God's promises and our obedience to God's Word. Because it is in Jesus Christ that we are all one. Jesus was the fulfillment of that promise that God made that all the nations would be blessed in you. Jesus is the one that would bring salvation to all people. And so if you are part of Jesus, then you are Abraham's descendant. And he tells us that in verse 26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And so it's through faith and your obedience and being in Jesus Christ that you become part of Abraham's family and you become a child of God. 
And something so critical and so important for us to recognize and just appreciate about the story of the Scriptures that from the book of Genesis to the New Testament, when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about how God has brought salvation to everybody. Forgiveness of sins and the promise of eternal life. The purpose of this covenant, the purpose of the Abrahamic covenant was never to establish one family or one ethnic group or one nation as greater than others. That might have been something that the Jews had a problem with understanding and grasping. But Isaiah, in Isaiah 49, verse 6, that passage that we looked at already, makes it very clear that the Israelites were going to be a light to the nations. That all the nations were going to come to them, and as you see, that they were going to be incorporated into them. The covenant with Abraham was a tool for building a unified people under God's authority and God's rule and God's Messiah. And thus, it's not about being a physical descendant of Abraham that makes you qualified to be part of the covenant blessings. In the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1, in sort of the, the prologue to the Gospel of John, in John chapter 1 and verses 12 and 13, John writes, But as many as received Him, talking about Jesus, to them He gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Do you see the, dis- the disclaimer there? That the people who are called children of God, they're not born of blood or born of the flesh. It's not about being a physical descendant of Abraham any longer. Now that's something that might boggle the mind, but that this is what God had established when He made that promise that through you all nations of the earth would be blessed. All families would be blessed. And so it's not going to be only Israelites who are part of Israel and the family of God. That's what the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 9. And in Romans chapter 9, a very difficult passage of Scripture. But in Romans chapter 9, what Paul writes here, he says in verse 6, "...but it is not as though the Word of God has failed." For they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Now if you read that and go, what what does that mean? Then join the club. I think we've all probably had that feeling. What do you mean there, Paul? That it's not all Israel who are descended from Israel. Paul, you're you're talking absurdities now, right? We'll continue reading in verse 7. Nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants. But through Isaac your descendants will be named. That is, it is not the children of the flesh who are children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. In which he goes on in Romans chapter 9 to talk about at the end in verse 
25, he quotes from the prophet Hosea in which he talks about how Gentiles are going to be brought into the family of God. And he says in verse 30, What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. And so it's not all Israelites who are going to be part of Israel. It's not going to be all fleshly descendants of Abraham who are part of the spiritual covenant ideal of Israel and what God means by that. In Romans chapter 11, in Romans chapter 11, just a couple of chapters over, Paul talks about how he talks about this olive tree and how some of the branches that were originally connected to the tree were cut off because of their disobedience. And because of their disobedience, there were others that were grafted in that were not originally part of that tree or that, that root system. They were grafted in. He says in Romans chapter 11 and in verse 17, but if some of the branches were broken off and you being a wild olive, were grafted in among them and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches, but if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. And so he's talking about how they were able to be, to be brought in, grafted into the family of God, to Israel. And he says, you Gentiles, don't be unthankful for that. Don't think that it's all about you. Remember that it's that root that supports you. It's that root. It's the foundation. It's the promise that God made with Abraham that God was going to establish and fulfill all of this. And He was going to bring Gentiles into this. But it is by faith. It is by faith. For anyone, whether you're a Jew whether you're a Gentile, it is by faith that you are going to be brought in to the family of God. It's not about being a physical descendant of Abraham that makes you qualified to be part of the covenant blessings. But it is by faith, if you're going to trust in God and respond to Him in faith, and if you're going to be obedient to Him, that is what will make you a child of Abraham in a spiritual sense that you will be blessed through him and because of the covenant that God made with him. And so if you want to receive the blessing that God intended for all of the world, then we have to live how Abraham did. In John chapter 8, in John chapter 8, we see in verse 39 that Jesus said, If you are Abraham's children, do the deeds of Abraham. And Jesus tells us what that is. That your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Now, Abraham certainly didn't live another... You know, 
1,500 years or, or so to see Jesus in the flesh. But he lived by faith, knowing that God was going to fulfill His promise. That through His descendants, there was going to be a seed that would come who would bless all nations. And Abraham, even though he could not see Jesus in the flesh, he believed in Him. He trusted in Him. He trusted in God's Word. Now you think about the people that Jesus was interacting with on that occasion. Jesus was there in their presence physically. They saw Him. They were communicating with Him. They were talking with Him. They were debating with Him. And they disbelieved. Many of them did. And you hear people sometimes today say, well, I wish I could have only lived back then so then I could have seen Jesus and witnessed His miracles or, or listened to Him teaching. And if I could see it, then I'll believe it. <laughs> that wasn't true for those people. But I tell you what... God gives us plenty of examples of men like Abraham who lived before Jesus came and who trusted in God's Word and His plan and His promises and acknowledged that God was, full, was faithful and would fulfill those promises and they were obedient to God. Despite not actually seeing those promises be completely fulfilled, today on this side, of the cross. We can look back to the testimony of Scripture. We can look and see at how all of these things harmonize together. And if we want to receive the blessing that God intended for all of the world, we need to accept Jesus. We must accept Jesus. We must believe in Him as the way, the truth, and the life. The way unto God. Because that has been God's plan since before the foundation of the world. The covenant that God established with Abraham millennia ago, it was such an amazing covenant that God was able to orchestrate and to bring all these things about. And we have Abraham as an example of faith that shows us the way to Christ. How he trusted in God in His Word. And tonight you can become part of that great plan. You can demonstrate faith and trust in God's promises. And you can come to God tonight. You can receive the benefits of that covenant. Salvation and forgiveness of your sins.
Tonight, we want you to become a part of that covenant and partake of that covenant. We would invite you to come tonight to trust in God, have faith in God's Word and His promises, and be obedient to Him. If you've never named the name of Christ and have confessed Him, we would like for you to do that. We'd encourage you to do that. That we would be glad to help you become a Christian by being baptized, immersed in water, to have your sins washed away. And if you have made that commitment to Christ, but you've waned in that commitment and you've turned away and you've backslidden, going back into the world, we'd like to help you come back to the Lord before it's eternally too late. If we can help you in some way this evening, would you come now as we stand and as we sing?